Well, for over a hundred years, steam trains have been objects of mystery and romance. From the early 1800s till the 1950s, these giant fire-eating, smoke-belching, steam-pumping monsters have transported billions of people, billions of miles across the countries of the world. And even though they've uh, long since been made obsolete by the rise of diesel and electrical-powered trains, steam locomotives continue to capture the imaginations of millions of history buffs and train enthusiasts, including our next guest. Uh, Robert Turner is a Nanaimo resident who has spent decades photographing, researching, and documenting the last working steam railways around the world. His book, Last Steam Railways, will be published in three volumes. The first book in the series, Volume 1, The People's Republic of China, is out now. Volume 2 features the steam railways of North Korea, Southeast Asia, Myanmar, India, Pakistan, and Syria. And Volume 3 will look at East Africa, Southern Africa, Europe, and the Americas. Uh, Mr. Turner, thank you for joining us today. Oh, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be with you. I was uh, going through Volume 1 over the last week or so, and uh, so much to talk about (laughs) here. I guess the first part, you know, where I want to start is, have have you always had an interest in steam railways, personally? Oh, yes, going back to to being a boy in Victoria. um, I uh, used to watch them out our living room window, and I guess that, that started it. Like many childhood interests, they... They carry on with us, and some of us uh, who are uh, are able to follow up with it in in our professions and workplace uh, situations. And I've been doing working in the heritage field in museums uh, since well for 50 years now, and um, doing a lot with with the history of technology and transportation history in particular. And um, so when I had more free time after I uh, retired from museum work directly, um, I was able to uh, travel to places all around the world to um, look into these things, and uh, it's been a, a great adventure. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that technology, the steam train, has such a grip on our psyche? Uh, I mean, it, it, there's, a, there's a certain romance to it. Um, why do you think we spend so much time talking about it? Uh, you see it in Hollywood movies still. What is it about that technology, that era, that has such a grip grip on us collectively? Boy, it's it's a complicated uh, thing. The the steam railways had such a an impact on our societies, um, changing the structure of cities because they could be expanded out into countryside. It, they changed the way industries worked, like in the forest industry and in mining. Um, they had darker moments too when they were involved in uh, in the in colonization in in some parts of the world in wartime. Um, so they, they have a lot of impact, but they're also, I, I've thought about it a lot. There, there are a lot of other, um, aspects to it or our curiosity about the world. And before we could fly halfway around the world in a, in a day, um, if you hear, heard a, a steam whistle in the distance, it was a train or a steamship, um, that was heading off to, to faraway places and, that made it romantic, and people wrote about their their travels and adventures. Um, Kipling and poets and songwriters and and others um, brought this into their into their work frequently. Mm-hmm. It, um, it 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 goes deep in in so many different cultures um, from different countries, and um, 
so many people were directly involved in it too, in in terms of their families, uh, the railways, uh, and just about everywhere were were and are uh, some of the largest employers. Um, so that if you talk to uh, so many people, mm-hmm. their grandparents or great grandparents or perhaps their parents uh, have have worked for the railways in many cases for many generations. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a, it's a part of our collective and our individual stories, too. Now, Volume 1 focuses on the People's Republic of China and uh, the, the steam railways in that nation. Uh, I was posted in China many years ago as a Global Nationals Bureau Chief. I think it was 2010 or 2011. I got the opportunity to take the first ride on their high-speed rail between Beijing and Shanghai. It was a wonderful yeah. uh, train ride, but it certainly wasn't a steam engine. No. Uh, but uh, give me a sense of, and, and, and like most developing nations, there's a rush to be modern. Uh, but give me a sense of, of the role the steam engine played in the development of China? Well, it, um, it was there early on uh, before World War II, and mainly in, 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 in coastal areas and in, in reaching inland to, to some resource areas. But uh, after, the, after the war and the Chinese Revolution, um, when Mao came to power, China was in pretty bad shape. The uh, country had suffered really horribly during during World War II with Japanese occupation and uh, the civil war that had been going on before that. So there was a real uh, emphasis on, on rebuilding the country. And, and from the point of view of the Chinese government, that meant essentially heavy industry, steel and coal mining and um, the making of cement, all, all things needed for reconstruction and to also for an armament industry, because China was uh, building up its military at that time as well. So in the 50s, 60s, and up into the 1980s, China built 10,000 steam locomotives. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty (laughs) That's quite a bit. And Um, are there any steam engines there now? Like, are there one or two perhaps left, or are they they all now gone? Just a a few. one of the last places they were working in any numbers was at a big open pit coal mine in uh, western China called Sandaling, and uh, they were they were working up until um, well this this past this winter, but uh, there may still be one or two there, but uh, they they were used in they had fifty at, overall around that number, and they were taking the coal out of the this huge mine and the the overburden out the other end of the mine, uh, and um, they were. Um, this was really hard-working steam steam locomotives at their. Uh, <laughs> what can we say? <laughs> Dirtiest. <laughs> yes. Um, besides from that, there there are just a very few here and there that are uh, probably well are in, in in industrial plants and may. may Go out to the main line, taking a, a freight car or two. But effectively, it's 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 over in China now. Uh, um, I, I was lucky in in catching a lot of it before it ended uh, to take photographs, which I I love doing, and uh, meeting people who were working on the on the railways as well. Um, one of the things that that really came to mind as I was doing this was how much. Um, 
what the railways were do- were doing and the people working on them were doing mirrored what had gone on in British Columbia and in the U.S. and uh, this part of the world before the coming of the diesels. And um, I'd interviewed many uh, veterans going back to the early 1900s from, from here, and they were describing their, their work and what, the, what it was like to, to hand fire a locomotive in the mountains, for example. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was able to ride with, with some of the crews on the Jitong Railway in Inner Mongolia, and watching them was, was just like being in a time machine. Um, these young guys shoveling coal as fast as they into the firebox of the locomotive, uh, taking 10-minute shifts, two firemen taking turns, just wow. ringing with sweat. Wow. Um, do, 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 do you think the, the rail today, the trains of today, will hold the same romance as the steam, as the steam railways did? Um, I think for, certainly for, for a lot of people, yes. Uh, probably for different reasons. Um, I, <laughs> they don't have that call to faraway places. Mm-hmm. It, it's more, I think, a part of daily life, and, uh, but not in the, not in the same um, intensity. Um, not many of us in British Columbia have had a chance to, to ride on a, on a train. Uh, you can't do it on BC Rail anymore, ex, uh, except for the uh, Rocky Mountaineer or on Canadian Pacific, same story. And uh, um, where we were growing up in the 40s or the 50s, we might have taken the train to visit relatives in Nelson or Revelstoke. Now you drive the car. And so you won't have that connection, but um, I think it's it's still there. But uh, uh, it'll take us a generation to figure that one out. <laughs> I think so too. My final question to you: How do you go about your research? We don't have a lot of time here, but I'm very curious because this is such a, a your work is global. Uh, you're based in Nanaimo, but it's global. You, you're not just focusing on China. This is the first volume. You've got North Korea, you've got Pakistan, you've got India, Myanmar, then you've got the rest of Europe and Africa. Uh, how did you go about putting all of this together and organizing all of this? Well, it, it's uh, I've been lucky in knowing um, uh, a number of people, uh, especially in, well, really from all over, from Canada, the U.S., and in Germany, and, and in the U.K., have pushed share this this interest and I've traveled with them uh, yeah I usually travel with a, a couple of friends sometimes a few more it's uh, makes it more fun and it's also safer when you're walking around coal mines and places like that um, I do a, uh, a lot of <laughs> building bookcases to hold hold the books I buy and uh, there's some wonderful websites as well where uh, travelers have reported on on what's going on, and um, for example, on China, there was a, there's been an active kind of internet exchange of information about where uh, uh, steam operations are, are going on and when they're being retired and replaced with the, the high-speed network that you were speaking of, and um, so that that's helped immensely. So we we keep in touch, and all being well, I'll be. In uh, in Bosnia uh, in the fall, um, there's in in uh, around uh, inland from Sarajevo, there's a mining district that's still using some locomotives that were 
built in Germany during World War II, um, quickly built ones for, for the for war service, but they they were transferred eventually to Yugoslavia, and uh, there are still half a dozen of them there. Uh, they shouldn't be um, for really any reason of technology, but uh, Bosnia hasn't had the the funds to replace them uh, with the horrible civil war that went on um, in the country in the 90s. And they have the the experienced people who can keep these these antiques, if you like, still running and, and service them. Um, I was in the workshop uh, there a few years ago, and uh, they were making castings to make replacement bearings uh, on the sand floor of the of the workshop on one end, and at the other, there was a young engineer there who had his laptop plugged into sensors all over the boiler of a locomotive, uh, testing the, the steel to make sure it was going to be safe. <laughs> well, there you go, a little bit of modern technology and, and old technology. Uh, Mr. Turner, thank you so much for your time. I really enjoyed our conversation, and uh, uh, the book is called Last Steam Railways. Volume 1 is out. It's focusing on the People's Republic of China, of course, but the volumes 2 and 3 will be coming out, and it focuses on, focuses on many other countries from Asia uh, and Europe as well. Mr. Turner, thank you so much for your time today. Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you. I really appreciate it.